it's a good look. So you, you've never rocked the shirts on shirts on shirts. No, no, I do like undershirt, shirt, sweater, but not a, well, yeah, not sweater. but not undershirt, button up shirt, button up shirt. So what what I do is like a button up shirt or an undershirt, button up shirt, and then like a like a long sleeve polo or like a long sleeve like uh like windbreaker. Okay, thing but like a like a, a windbreaker thing, like a light jacket, sweaterish type thing no, no, that's I mean, acceptable. It, it, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of a shirt. I mean, it can be worn as a shirt. Um but but more often I've, I've got like a couple of uh like long sleeve polos and I wear those over the button up shirt on top of the on top of the undershirt. Uh, I I need pictures. Yeah, I'll I'll send some. It's kind of my my daily go to. Yeah, you and Steve all, all black everything. I know. I didn't realize <laughs> when everyone started making fun of that. I was like, "Well, wait, wait, wait." I, <laughs> so you know what's gonna, what's going to happen, right? In the same way that everybody now is like, a, like the undercut has become like a Nazi haircut, so you can't have an undercut anymore, or you're a Nazi. Now, like you can't wear your shirts on shirts on shirts because then you're going to be a Nazi. You know what? I'm I'm going to go get an undercut and wear my shirt on shirt on shirt. Just to mess up the paradigm, bust the cycle. Thomas, have you ever thought about surrogacy? I don't know. Um, is that an offer? I don't, I don't want to get personal here. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, we we've got children, but you've got some pretty good genes, and you know, we, we've my my family and I have had this conversation. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable in the podcast space. So. How do you have that conversation with somebody? You don't. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm sure there, it's 2017. I'm sure there's a, a subreddit or social network out there that that caters to that lifestyle. Right, Uber, but or, for surrogacy. That, yeah, Uber for surrogacy, right? Not lifestyle. I'm, I'm not trying to make you all into swingers. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure there's a, a, a space where you can go and, and, conversate about that and find people who are open and willing to that conversation. But I, I wouldn't spring that on someone. So hypothetically, if you happen to be a member of Congress who is now resigning in disgrace over around issues of surrogacy, it's probably not because you were going to go a traditional surrogate route, right? And do the kind of sperm and egg thing. And maybe you can carry it because my partner can't carry it. Um, it would probably be like, hey, could you be a surrogate? But also, we're going to have to have sex for this to happen. <laughs> it's called Handmaid's Tale, right? right? I mean, is that it, right? Yes. Like, my, my wife will be there. Don't worry. You know? She's going to hold your arms. I mean, Ugh. okay. I have recently learned that the Ethics Committee is reviewing an inquiry regarding my discussion of surrogacy with two previous female subordinates, making each feel uncomfortable. I deeply regret that my discussion of this option and process in the workplace caused distress. We're in an unusual moment in history. There is collective focus on a very important problem of justice and sexual impropriety. It is so important that we get this right for everyone, especially because yeah, that's unusual to right. have. <laughs> Sorry. But just as a, as an aside here, it's, it's never good if your apology contains or your statement about sexual impropriety has a butt in it. But 
In the midst of this current cultural and media climate, I'm deeply convinced I would be unable to complete a fair house ethics investigation before distorted and sensationalized versions of this story would put me, my family, my staff, and my noble colleagues in the House of Representatives through hyperbolized public excoriation. So instead of letting that happen, Representative Trent Franks is going to resign. So, I mean, the, here's what's amazing to me, right? I mean, I, I want to know. But it says, I deeply regret that my discussion, uh, right, to, regarding my discussion of surrogacy. Uh, right? Yeah, option, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> this option. I mean, it's just an option, right? It's a clause in your contract. You can opt yeah, in, you, you can opt out. out. Yeah. Right? I mean, I would feel uncomfortable talking with a coworker, like if my wife and I, for instance, were contemplating surrogacy through some very legitimate means, I would feel uncomfortable talking to a coworker about that process or option especially uh, like a you know someone who was reporting to you or or you know right a subordinate a subordinate if you will yeah right so i mean this has to be i mean this has to be a proposition right and he thought he was being clever by wrapping it in surrogacy (laughs) i guess you know it, it doesn't always take the first time so you have to keep trying exactly you know and my wife's cool with it i promise don't text her. Got to be committed to this. Uh, it's total handmaid's tale. So this is, um, I mean, this is 2017. Well, and this is coming on on the back of, <laughs> sorry, this is coming, you know, after the the Al Franken resignation today, and John Conyers, and Roy Moore, and Donald Trump, and you know Weinstein, and Matt Lauer. Yeah, the, the list goes on and on. Unfortunately, uh, of of people who, um, you know, or are in the news these days over uh, sexual harassment, Roy Moore and and I would say Donald Trump, are kind of outliers in this case since they deal with children. Um, but still, uh, like, there's. I I was watching what was that Morning Joe this morning, and they, and they were talking about kind of the. Because we all knew Franken was going to give a, a a a chat, you know, this morning on on the Senate floor, and they were saying like how revolutionary this. Oh yeah, no no no, it was it was Andrea Mitchell, uh, her show on MSNBC, and she was she had a uh, Tom Brokaw <laughs> on, of all people, and Brokaw was saying, you know, Andrea, you know, we we we're both we're both uh, you know older people and and. You and I can safely say there's been nothing like this in our lifetimes. And she was like, well, there was the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement. But yeah, this is up there, too. <laughs> you can just see his face drop because, you know, it was, it was a great like. Eh. And uh, it, uh, but his point was, look, the, you know, this is a revolution. And we're going to look back on this in 20, 30, 50 years and say, yeah, that was the year where all of this started changing. And, you know, we look at everything from politics to tech companies. I mean, the. The head of Android, the guy who in, you know invented or, or created Android, that was bought by Google, that became you know the, the phone operating system, and he went on to form a different company in 2014. And we all wondered like, why did Andy Rubin leave Google? Like he was head of robotics at Google, he was head of Google X, like he had a really sweet deal. Turns out he had an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate, and he left to form this other company, and now. You know, some of these allegations are coming out of other things uh, since then. You know, so this is not just politics. I mean, this is tech. This is the press. Harvey Weinstein. Well, uh, and, and actually Kevin politics has been, 
has been the slowest, right? Well, it, kind of behind the slowest act in, in some way, yeah. But, um, but, but the most political. Well, I mean, obviously, the most politicized in, in some way, but also the, um, I guess, the most public, right? You know, so as this expands outwards, I mean, it, it's going to hit, and already has, you know, the academy. It's going to hit universities and 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 schools but also things like churches and and religious groups and uh you know my partner mariana talks about this often and she's faced her share of it and i'll let her speak for herself but go to mariana.net if you'd like to read her blog it's very good um but it's such a fascinating time to be in the middle of all this because i don't know what to say as a white I mean, I, I don't want to play the Steve Bannon identity politics thing, but as a white cis male, you know, heterosexual, whatever, like, I don't know what to say in, in the midst of all this. Because I, I'm i sure, I mean, looking back, God, in my college days and this and that, like, I'm sure I've caused people pain that I didn't mean to. You know, and looking back, like, I've made some really stupid decisions at points. And it's like, should I go blog about, you know, I'm sorry, me too, in terms of my experiences and, you know, but the other side of me is like, just shut up and listen because white males are really bad at that. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, you know, I've talked a lot about this, uh, not on air. uh, And I think that that's um, what we've been trying to do, right? Listen and then amplify uh, the voices of of women who are coming forward, you know, breaking the silence, so to speak, according to time. Uh, But, you know, of course, there's been a little pushback on that and that a lot of people weren't silent. They were speaking and no one was listening to them. But, um, you know, so trying to listen now and and do that. But, you know, I do think it's, you know, it's acceptable and appropriate that that we are doing this and kind of thinking about, you know, things that we've done in the past. Have, Have we done things that um, we maybe didn't realize at the time, but do realize now, um, we're inappropriate. Um, and, you know, then going forward, thinking about, you know, how do we, you know, what do we do with, you know, with other people in our presence and how do we make them feel? And, you know, what kind of things do we say or encourage or not discourage? Um, you know, what kind of acts have we witnessed and not said anything about, you know, things like that. I do think it's, I think it's appropriate, uh, to be, to be considering those things. You know, there, there's certainly a, a, a vocal, uh, small group of basically, you know, white guys that are like, oh, well, we can't just do anything now. Like I, now I guess I can't hug people and, you know, I can't just kiss people without them consenting and, now I can't, you know, slap my coworker on the ass or something. It's like, well, yeah, you probably shouldn't do any of that, you know. Um, but, it, you know, they're making it out like it's this some um, like insane, you know, mystery code that can't be broken. But it's it's not that difficult, really. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, so I'm not going to I don't know. Right. It's not like I've probably never done anything that's made somebody uncomfortable. I'm sure that I have. And I've tried to think about those things. But um I also kind of feel like a lot of the guys that do this, I mean, what we hear is the reason a lot of other guys are so shocked is because they're, you know, intentional about not doing it around other people, right? That's why it often happens when uh, women are cornered, when they're alone walking to their car, when they're alone in the office or, you know, something like that. Um, And which is why a lot of women are afraid of situations like that. Um, 
and I think a lot of guys that are kind of these, you know, perpetrators do, they think about that, right. Um, about how other people, uh, would react to them. And so they are able to kind of keep their, you know, good guy persona in public, uh, because, you know, they're great. Nobody would believe that they would do something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because you, you do start realizing, you know, that those points in life where you've done something inappropriate or said something inappropriate or, or made a stupid joke. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, I always think back to my parents and trying to, I guess, rationalize how and why, you know, some of the things they've said to me over the years, you know, get said. And it, and, and then I think, okay, well, you know, my parents were raised at during the the sixties. You know, they were kids and and young adults, and it was at that time of momentous change, both for, you know, women's rights and, and civil rights. Um, you know, so I, I just wonder, you know, what kind of divide also this is going to create for people who really start getting entrenched in their own beliefs because, you know, the, the, the it's okay to be white type movement, you know, <laughs> like, like it's okay to be a white male type thing like you know there's going to be this whole group of not disenfranchised but this whole group of of angry kind of like bitter white males and black males and hispanic males who think like well they took all the fun away like now now i can't make that's what she said jokes anymore and it was like i mean it's like what like two nights ago we were watching the office um it's one of our shows that we watch at 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> you know, we're laying in bed and it's like, Oh, let's just turn on the office <clears throat> and we'll watch three or four episodes in a row. But there, it, it was something about a, a Christmas party thing. And anyway, it was like a, 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 a two episode uh, follow up. And there were so many jokes in there from like Michael Scott, the manager towards his employees or, you know, from one employee to another or the vice president to an employee that I don't think we could make today on, on national TV and the, without, you know, really kind of trying to push some kind of ironic button, like all in the family, maybe. Right. But that's not what that show was trying to do. You know, it was, it was trying to make you uncomfortable and, and, you know, yeah, Michael Scott's kind of a, uh, a jerk. Right. But it, 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 always kind of backed up right before it got insulting. But some of those jokes were insulting right. in, in light of 2017. And I, I laughed at them in 2011, but now like in 2017, I'm like, that's, that's really not funny, <laughs> you know? And that's to me, like the biggest awakening of all this is, is realizing, like you said, you know, my complacency, my, my, um, you know, playing along in, in that, in that realm where I thought like, Oh, I'm so woke and I'm, I'm so liberal with my, you know, worldview and my, you know, my cool shoes. But in fact, you know, I've been playing along the same way. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's a time of introspection, I guess. But also, like you said, support and amplification of those voices that should be heard that, you know, haven't been or, or that, we're not um, 
we're not given the, the space in the past. Yeah, I think, you know, I think now too, and I tweeted this out earlier today. Um, now's a good time to figure out um, how you're going to react to these announcements as they come up, uh, particularly how you're going to react to the announcement of somebody that you really like and respect uh, being the subject of, you know, multiple allegations. Um you know, if it, whether it's a politician, a TV star, a news anchor, whoever it is, I, I, we have seen, I think, the tip of the iceberg. Um, and, you know, I think we have to decide, um, you know, what's, what's most important here. Uh, Sam and I are at heart political junkies, and we are going to talk about the political strategy and how you strategize some of these situations we tend to do most of it behind the scenes, but you know, we do some of it, um, you know, live on air too. Um, so we're going to talk about that, but you know, at the end of the day too, like there's one principle, right? No, if you're, if you're sexually, you know, harassing or abusing people, like particularly in a public, um, position, like a, you know, member of Congress, you got to go, you know, and I, I do think that that, you know, and that's something that maybe we can talk about. And, and some people are starting to talk about that is how do we approach this from a nuanced perspective? Um, Al Franken resigns today. And if you read the charges against him, the accusations leveled against him, you look at the photo. Um, it's not great, but it's certainly not the level of the charges that have been made against Roy Moore, or the charges that have been made against Donald Trump or the charges that were made against uh, John Conyers. Uh the you know another Democrat that also resigned, um, and so there's a difference there. You know, should they have the same punishment? Well, I mean, the reality is right now they don't. Democrats are forcing their people out, Conyers and Franken, and uh, the Republican establishment, um, the president himself, and the Republican National Committee are still supporting Roy Moore. They're still supporting Donald Trump. Um, so there's definitely a difference in how this is being handled by the various political parties, and I think that's. You know, uh, that's the right thing. Part of that is is um, strategy on the Democrats to say we need to have we need to be able to take the moral high ground on this issue, and we can't do that if you don't push out people in your party, um, even if it means pushing out somebody who is accused of doing something that is just not the same, right? Different, maybe not great, um, you know, unacceptable, but not not the same, right? Not the same as um, sexually assaulting a minor. Right. There are different levels for that. And I think that that's something that we're going to have to begin to really reckon with as more and more um, charges and accusations and allegations come out. I mean, right. Sam and I were talking today. There's there there there's um, talk of um, at least another 20 to 30 members of Congress being outed. Um and that is, I mean, that's massive, right? That's going to hit both parties. Uh, neither party is immune to this. Democrats and Republicans both uh, have people that have, you know, done things like this. And you know, I mean, the what what's the the common denominator here is it's power, right? And that's something that we need to talk about. Is we need to talk about power dynamics, yeah. which is not being talked about very often. Um, so, but I do think that now is a good time to to figure out what are my principles on this and where do I stand because you're going to be tested and how you respond to it. Yeah. Um, but then think, be. yeah, as you should be. But then think about not just how am I going to respond to my favorite politician um, has allegations come out against him, um, but how am I going to respond if it's somebody that I know personally that's not a famous person, 
right? I mean, then that that's arguably quite a bit harder um, to deal with. Yeah. So, I mean, hmm. I, I guess it, it's fascinating because we're, we're still at this very early stage of this revolution. I mean, do you see this going on for years? Or is it going to be something, you know, where, where Time Magazine makes, you know, the, the people who, the women who spoke out and the people, people who spoke out as, as the, um, you know, the, the, the people of the year, person of the year, rather than Donald Trump. Um, Whom they gave runner up, by the way. Yeah, and as, I don't even want to talk, I, yeah, Voldemort. Just move on, just move on. <laughs> So, I mean, do we, is this going to keep going? Is what I'm, you know, does it have legs in terms of really I, transforming yeah. society the way that women's lived, the way that, that, you know, civil rights did for, for African American or black people in, in the U S here's the thing. I think it, I think it can. Um, I don't think at this moment that it's guaranteed to, um, I feel like it's going to, right. We have you news know, reports of another 20, 30, uh, members of Congress, uh, allegations against them. Uh, so, you know, we have things like that. We're seeing it in a lot of, I think like academia, for instance, is just starting to get its legs. So I think, you know, probably early next year, we're going to see um, loads of accusations come out within academia, a lot more people. I mean, these are things that, again, maybe there have been whisper, whisper campaigns um, for a long time. I mean, I've heard uh, some of them within certain uh, academic circles, but there are, you know, what I know is that there's there are a lot of whisper campaigns I'm not privy to because I'm a male, right? And that's perfectly acceptable. Um, you know, there are women trying to protect themselves and protect each other. Uh, a lot of that's coming out. A lot of people have been emboldened, I think. Um, and, and I think that's good. Uh, the, there are things that I'm concerned about with this. There, there are two main things I'm concerned about. The first is if the person that uh, harassed or abused you is not a famous person, there's a good chance nothing happens, right? Right now, you're able to put enough public pressure on certain people to get them to resign because they're public people, right? If it, you know, if you're, um, you know, you work in a hotel, um, you know, cleaning up, and you know, a guest uh, sexually harasses you, um, you know, blocks you in the room. Um, masturbates in front of you, something like that, you have very little recourse, right? It's a lot easier for the hotel to say, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't want to make a big stink out of this, right? Um, and so I think there are a lot of, uh, my fear is a lot of women will, will now feel like they can and should come forward uh, with something that they've, they've kept hidden for a long time. And then they will be met with a system that doesn't work. And that will, you know, further discourage women. I mean, the system we've had doesn't work. So if we have anything better, that's a step in the right direction. But, you know, I, I think that's a very real possibility. I also think that it takes um, one false accusation to kind of dismantle the whole movement, right? Um, to really, you know, th- throw water on the on the fire, so to speak. Um, you know, I, the reality is, you know, these women coming forward, these people coming forward, making accusations. Um, they have no reason to lie about this. Um, their lives get significantly harder, particularly if they're making an accusation against a very public prominent person. 
their lives get significantly harder after making the accusation. They don't gain anything from it. Um, but that's not to say that there might not be uh, someone to come forward and make a false accusation. Uh, if that happens, that will taint all of the other ones. And, and you know, I, I, that's something that I'm concerned about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's that balanced with, okay, so someone gets fired or, or someone gets, you know, resigned. <laughs> um, yeah, Al Franken's of the world, which yeah, I, I think, I don't know, Al Franken's kind of a different, difficult case study so for instance our uh assistant city manager uh today resigned and he's been with the with the city since 1997 and you know long time political figure here for um same reason so he, he a couple of allegations came out in november and and he announced his retirement um he made one hundred fifty three thousand seven hundred and three dollars last year as the assistant city manager which is kind of crazy for columbia south carolina but you know there you are yeah i mean yeah i mean <laughs> I, I know what i know what the you know the city government you know city manager and people like that in our city make so it's like yeah. wow it's a, I, yeah. I mean, i'm in the wrong company <laughs> you kind of never knew right yeah because he worked for uh 20 years for the city baker will draw retirement benefits uh the city spokesperson said and it not that he should be penalized but he's 65 he's a pastor of a church in columbia as well course <clears throat> not laughing and you know he probably made 30 40 50 grand from them uh you know like uh like that that doesn't feel i, I know god is not a god of retribution god's a god of distribution but i'm channeling my cross in there but but still like you know like that's if 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 you know i'm putting on my you know what's going to come out of this hat? Like, I, 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 mm. like he gets to retire and, and keeps everything. And right. You know. When I, I think, I mean, I think that's that's the question, right? I was I was getting at earlier is how do we, how should these cases be handled? Like that's something that we as a society have to have to grapple with, because, um, right? You know, if somebody makes a makes a lewd comment might not be appropriate and might create a hostile work environment, but does that mean the person should lose their livelihood? Um, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't, I don't know. There are a lot of other things that are inappropriate that people do. Uh, and, and there are consequences for them that we've decided are acceptable consequences, you know, as a society that don't result in them losing their job and losing their livelihood. Right. I'm not concerned about people like that guy, right? Who made 150 grand a year, who's got a nice pension. He'll be okay. His family will be okay. Um, but there are some other people that, you know, they made an inappropriate comment. They shouldn't have made it. But does that mean that, you know, they were making $38,000 a year and, you know, they were the only, you know, they were the quote unquote breadwinner in their home. And then now they're going to get fired because they made a crude joke. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think that, you know, this is something we have to figure out. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I think it's, it's categorically different when we start talking about people like Matt Lauer, who is making $20 million a year, right? If he doesn't make another cent in his life, Matt Lauer will be fine. But the reality is the way our society is, you know, he'll lay low for a little bit. He'll come back with a big book deal. He'll have his, you know, kind of uh, moment of uh, come back and he'll be fine. He'll be making another 20 million a year again in a couple of years, I would guess. 
Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know what the answer is to that, but I do think we've got to figure, we, we have to, these are things we need to figure out. Um, right. In a, in a sense, we have to do it on the fly, but as much as possible, not doing it on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know, especially when it, it's, it's, uh, allegations that are, are a little, you know, that, that aren't, are, I don't know, that get across a clear line. You know, and and when when the bill of rallies of the world, you know, I'm I'm going to step down from my position, but I didn't do anything wrong. These women are all lying, right? And uh, like today, he he evidently gave a false statement about or gave a statement which he was not supposed to do according to one of the settlements he made. And it's like, well, I hope that woman takes him for all he's worth. You know, like right. yeah. take it back to court and re-adjudicate that because uh, he he broke his agreement and. You know, whether it's that or, you know, even the, the Trump family and Russia, it's, it's like how, I don't know, how brazen have we been? You know, I say we as, you know, white males and males and right. around the world yeah. for the last few thousand years. You know, like uh, uh, how, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to ask the question. Yeah, well, we have um, currently in the in the Florida State Senate the um, budget chair, uh, who's a Republican, Jack Latvala, has been accused of groping and sexual harassment by six different women uh, refusing to resign, and also he's now um, uh, another senator has filed a formal complaint against him, um, saying that he's in, like actually interfering with the investigation and trying to intimidate witnesses and things like that. So, but he's refusing to resign. Right. Um, there, you know, there are a couple of people in Congress right now that accusations have been made against them refusing to resign, saying that no, this is, you know, it didn't, you know, I deny it. So I'm not going to resign. Obviously, you've got Roy Moore refusing to step down. You've got Donald Trump, obviously, refusing to step down with, you know, at least 16 women that have made uh, accusations, 16 named women that have made accusations against uh, Donald Trump. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that are really brazen about it. And it does look like, as I've seen some people saying the past couple of days, the standard seems to be that if you admit um, to it and say you're sorry, then you lose your job. If you just deny it and just keep on going, then nothing happens. Um, seems to be the standard right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, so let's take that and think about I guess the, the the current religious landscape, which is inherently political at this point, because just like we've politicized support for women, especially in Alabama, um, you know, we, we, you have this strange like left right paradigm of okay, well, you know, if if you're a Democrat in, in Congress or Senate and this happens, then you, know, you should step down. If you're a Republican, like, well, you know, it's better we we got to have that Supreme Court justice. Um, but but even in the business world or in the church world, like we we're making these these deals of well, we know the pastor is an alcoholic, but he's a really good pastor and he gets the young people to church. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's let's put up with that as long as we can until the allegations come out, and then we'll fire him. Um, do, do you think like there's something to be said for that 
kind of Roy Moore sort of um, I'm going to embrace it, even though I don't I don't think that's right. Or, or I mean, Republicans who voted for Donald Trump, who said, well, he's not the best candidate, but he's not Hillary Clinton. You know, like sort of selling your your soul for <laughs> for uh, a, a perceived political. Well, what does it profit a man to gain the world if he loses his soul? Exactly. Some guy asked that question a long who time was ago. That? I can't sure. remember. Yeah, so I mean, like like um, Mike Pence. You know, Mike Mike Pence is kind of the the ultimate. I don't want to say cuck. He's the ultimate. Um, <laughs> guy who, who's like well i'm gonna stand behind the president even though i want to be in that seat i'm gonna i'm gonna watch him slur his words for 30 seconds because of his dentures god bless you not as sure <laughs> i'm not god I'm bless you not as sure i'm laughing at your impression because that's good that was so awkward that was yeah i, I was like uh, oh shit he's gonna stroke out like this is not good okay so so I think I think Mike Pence is a good example because what you have with with Mike Pence seems to be this is fantastic um, profile of Pence in <laughs> the Atlantic. United Sorry, not his shirt. This is fantastic. Oh, he's just had dry mouth, Sam. Obviously, that's what I do when I have dry mouth. <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, so we're talking about Mike Pence. Right, sorry. Sorry. Fantastic profile on the Atlantic uh, by McKay Coppins. God's plan for Mike Pence. Really, really great deep dive into Mike Pence. We've, we've got a link down in the show notes, so you should definitely read it. But he paints this picture that that I believe of a Pence that is opportunistic, um, kind of got thrown a political lifeline with Trump picking him as the running mate because of wanting to get the evangelical vote and Mike Pence delivered that for him, but also of a Mike Pence that and ev- evidently knows that was what his uh, job is. Evidently that was a Steve Bannon call and Trump wanted to go with yeah. Flynn or someone else. Uh, Christie. Chris, well, Christie was on the list, but also Flynn was on the list, which would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so McKay Coffins also paints this picture of Mike Pence who knows his role, right? Know your role and shut your mouth. And that's essentially what Mike Pence is doing, but also knows that he is basically whatever the president says, he's got to go out and support it hundred percent. It doesn't matter. Right. The one thing that apparently incensed Mike Pence was the access Hollywood tape that came out where, you know, Trump said, you know, when you're a star, they let you do anything you want, you know, just grab him by the pussy, all that stuff. Uh, that apparently incensed him. He, you know, thought about uh, quitting. Um, you know, it was just for the election. Also, apparently, made it clear to the RNC that he would step in as the nominee if he had to. Which, you know, what a guy, right? What a guy. But I do think that that um, that he's a good example of a person that seems to have um, completely abandoned his principles in favor of what he thinks are, you know, more important goods, getting, you know, conservative Supreme court justices and apparently gutting Medicare Medicaid and social security and unions, right. Which he obviously did um, when he was governor. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I think Mike Pence is a good example kind of getting at your question there. So, I mean, do you think long-term, because we, I mean, we hear Republicans of all stripes, whether it's Mitch McConnell or John McCain or Mike Pence 
or you know Ben Sass or you know uh, all Ted Cruz all across the, the the spectrum, you know moderates to far far rights, Trey Gowdy, um, friend of the show. So do do you think that? I don't think you're. <laughs> do you think that? Um, that embrace of what we want to call populist, you know, uh, religion slash politics or, or Donald Trump, I would say, <laughs> if, if we're going to put a name on it, that embrace of Donald Trump is going to pay off in the long term. Or do you think it's a fool's errand? No, I think it's a fool's errand. And it's what I, it's what we've been saying. I, I think this is a kind of last gasp effort, particularly, among, you know, for evangelicals. Um, and I think that here's the thing. If you and I sat down to say, let's come up with the worst caricatures we can of Republicans and evangelicals. All right. We could, we could write it up and nobody would believe it. Right. Because all oh, it's, it's just stereotypes, and you know they aren't they aren't really like that. Or twenty seventeen has given us an example of every single one of those caricatures, right? So Democrats have long said that Republicans care about life until the second that a child is born, and then they don't care about you anymore because they're not going to pay for you know they're going to try to cut money to um, Medicaid. They're you know haven't renewed chip uh, child health insurance program. Um, they're going to cut money for, uh, education. They're, you know, going to do all these things that are, you know, um, kind of exacerbating a culture of death in our society. Um, but as long as you're a fetus, then they will, you know, fight tooth and nail to protect you. That's been a caricature, a popular character among Democrats of Republicans. And now we have exhibit a with Roy Moore, right? who his supporters are literally saying, Steve Bannon said this the other night, what, two nights ago at a rally at a fundraiser for more, said that you can't vote for Doug Jones because um, he supports abortion, right? So you can't listen to them about protecting women. So they're literally making the case that you need to vote for our guy who has been accused by multiple women of sexually assaulting them and by some of sexually assaulting them when they were minors, you need to vote for our guy because the other guy supports abortion. Right. So, I mean, they've just become a caricature. They've become the caricature that the Democrats have, have made them out to be for a long time. Um, and I think what that I think that does a couple things. I think one, it emboldens Democrats. Um. And it causes a lot of them to say, see, I told you so. They've been hypocrites all along, blah, 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 whatever they want to say. Um, but I think it also, and you know, that you can take it or leave that. Some will say that, some you know, some won't. Um, but what it also does is it makes some Republicans say, this is not the Republican Party I, I want to be a part of. Right? So the famous, you know, I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. Right? I have family members that are in that boat. Um, what we've seen since the election of Donald Trump, the number of people in this country that identify as Republican has dropped by 5%. That, that's massive. They're not all going to the Democrats. The Democrats are staying the same. Generally, what's happening is the kind of the, the independence is growing, right? The we nuts. know most people I mean, aren't just independent. Like in, 
the religious right. landscape. Right. It's the political nuns, right? And and so I, I think that that what this is doing is this is making a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, look at people that do that. Look at Mike Pence, look at the Republican Party, look at evangelical Christians and say, I guess this really is who they are. Whether that's true or not, right? Right. Maybe this is the first time that somebody has made this sort of calculation and said, this, you know, this just uh, destroy, you know, feels like it's going to destroy everything in my being, but I just cannot in good conscience vote for Hillary Clinton. So I've got to pull the trigger and vote for Donald Trump. Maybe it's the first time in their life they've made that sort of calculation. The problem is now that will define them. And, and, and so, so I think in the long run, I don't think that calculation pays off. I think in the long run, what we're going to see is the Republican Party will be devastated by this. I don't know that Democrats are going to win the House and the Senate in 2018, though early indicators are looking positive, but I'm very, very cautious. Um, I've seen Democrats screw things up more times than I can count in my very short life so far. So, um, you know, I don't expect anything different this year, but you know, always in a midterm, the opposing party is going, you know, that the out party is going to do well. We have the makings of a wave, right? Like a 92 year, the women type wave and what we've seen with the women's March, you know, what, what has been happening with Trump and with Russia, what's going on with Roy Moore and their party support of Roy Moore, giving you know money, a lot of money to him. Um, I, I think we have the makings of a wave there, but I, I think even beyond next year and the midterm, I think we'll see some in the midterm. I think we'll see some in 2020, but I, I think that um, people are going to quickly realize, okay, we wanted to send a message but this isn't the message that we wanted to send or, okay, we sent our message. Now let's get back to, you know, let's let the adults back in the room. (laughs) Amid the chaos, Trump convened a meeting of his top advisors and his Manhattan penthouse. He went around the room and asked each person for his damage assessment. His previous bleeding, uh, rents, previous, no, rents, rents, right? Yeah. Rents, rents, rents. I'm good with names. Priebus bluntly told Trump he could either drop out immediately or lose in a historic landslide. According to someone who was present, Priebus added that Pence and Rice were ready to step in. Because according to this article, when Pence goes to the Republican Party, he says, hey, you know, we got to get this checker out. I've talked to Condoleezza Rice and she's going to be my running mate, which, you know, honestly, not a bad ticket. I mean, I I know Condoleezza has problems. I was hoping for, you know, General Powell, but you know, compared to Trump Pence, like Pence Rice. Yeah. Uh, the fruit of plotting, several sources told me, was not just an act of political opportunism for Pence. He was genu- genuinely shocked by the Access Hollywood tape, which you referenced earlier. In the short time they'd known each other, Trump had made an effort to convince Pence that beneath all the made for TV bluster and bravado, he was a good hearted man with faith in God. On the night of the vice presidential debate, for example, Trump left a voicemail letting Pence know that he had just said a prayer for him. The couple was appalled by the video, however. Karen, in particular, Pence's wife, was disgusted, say, uh, says a former campaign aide. She finds him reprehensible, just totally vile. So <clears throat> if you're in a job or you're in a role like this where your partner says that you you know, your your boss basically is, is <laughs> morally reprehensible and vile, and you find 
his behavior so shocking. Like uh, every time I see, like today, when, or yesterday, when uh, Trump signed the 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 deal about uh, Jerusalem being the capital of Israel, which we should definitely talk about at some point. And and Pence is just standing there doing his Pence thing. That's why I used the cuck word earlier, because. Like really, you, you you call yourself a man of God, and you're standing there with this, I don't know, buffoon slash, clearly, you know, I don't know, not a, not what one would assume would be a, a practicing Christian, God fearing type man. Well, like, stand up for yourself, yeah. son. Like, grow up here. Well, let's 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 be clear that the Jerusalem thing is probably uh, Pence probably supports the move. Uh, I think Pence is probably smart enough to know that it's bad. Oh, I'm sure he supports that. It's and, bad. Yeah, that was a bad policy. example. But you know how it's always kind of standing he, over Trump's right. shoulder, doing that awkward, right. yeah, awkward thing. Like yes, or you know, when the uh, you know, God, God bless the United States um, speech. God bless the United States. <laughs> you know, it, uh, but it, it's know your role and shut your mouth, right? That's what it is. And Pence is happy to play that because he sees a he sees a bigger picture, right? And and, and that that's and of the bigger man. picture for him is. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, the bigger picture for him is a pseudo theocracy, yeah. right? I mean, really, and, and that type of man expects it's especially it expects women to do that because that's their their role, right? And we all have roles, and just like you know, Philippians says, just like Philemon says, like you know where you're where you're planted grow like don't don't you know don't try to rock the boat just uh you know where, where god has put you make sure that you're you're doing what you need to do and uh i think that theology is so devastating but it's, it's great to see the pushback because i think that's you know in part what we're seeing now yeah um yeah i know i mean so my thought is that in the long run, that strategy does not pay off. That's why I think it's important, and I'll say it again, that you determine now what your principles are, right? A professor of ours in, in Div School you know, said to me, there's a difference between uh, beliefs and convictions. Your convictions don't change. Your beliefs can, and honestly, they're not really that important. But your convictions don't change. Is that change. Kanoe? Right, so what are your con- – do what? Was that Kanoe? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, you're right. So, so what are your convictions? That's what we've got to figure out now is what's worth it. Right. What is even thinking about, you know, short-term political losses, maybe even long-term political losses. What's more important, right? Are you, are you going to be principled? Are you going to have convictions? And you're going to say, you know what, this is going to hurt the democratic party. This is going to hurt the Republican party. This is going to mean that that policies that I would like to see enacted will most likely not get enacted anytime soon, if ever. Um, but this is the right thing to do. Right. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's what you got to ask yourself is, I mean, just plain and simple. Do you have any integrity? And, and if you do, you'll know what the right answer is and it will be hard. And, and you know, right. I mean, you know, the cliche things that people tell their kids all the time, you know, if it were hard, you know, if it weren't, you know, if it were easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. I but, thought you were going to make a really more, um, never mind. I'm not going to go there because I'm woke. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I mean, 
I think that's important. And, and I think we're really about to get there, like we talked about, with churches. Yeah. And, and you know, so, you know, we have a lot of people, obviously, a lot of people listen to the show, you know, go to church on a regular basis. You know, people listen to the show, work at churches, have worked at churches in the past. Um, you got to decide now um, how you're going to respond if things like this c- come up, right? If you're absolute beloved pastor of 10 years, you know, something... Uh, comes out about that part, that pastor. How are you going to respond? Right, it's a lot. I mean, this is why, right? This is why you make policy. Um, this is why you make good policy. You do it ahead of time. You don't do it in the heat of the moment, so that you don't let your emotions and oh, we really like this guy, or we really like you were saying need this. You know, he's just, you know she's so great with the youth, or you know, oh, we really need this. You know, Supreme Court vote or this tax vote, or we really need this vote um, for you know, universal health care, whatever it is, um, you got to decide what's more important, right? Getting one little vote that you won't hear there or, you know, having integrity and having principles. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that's, that's the hard so, I mean, part. So, I mean, there's a calculation to be, there's a calculation to be made, right? Is it going to pay off? I ultimately don't think in the long run, this calculation, the Republican party uh, has made this calculation that ev- evangelicals, white evangelicals um, have made uh, to align themselves with, you know, such a person as heinous as Donald Trump. Uh, I don't think it's ultimately going to pay off in the long run. Um, but even if it did, even if it did, it's still the wrong choice. Right. And, and that's what we have to live with. Um, you know, I don't have to live with having voted for Donald Trump. I have to live with the consequences of a bunch of other people who voted for Donald Trump. But, not, you know, but that's, that's not even that bad for me. Right. There are a lot of other people for whom it's a lot worse. Um, you know, if we are, I think, surprisingly close, then a lot of people don't realize this to war both with Iran and with North Korea. Yeah. Right. So and this is because we have a child in the Oval Office. And, and right. I mean, I even if this helps Republicans win, right, maybe this whatever um still wrong, you know? And I, I don't, I mean, I think that that's, that's what we're missing uh, from a lot of people um, and in our institutions too. And, and, and I think that that's, you know, that's why it's not surprising to see that we are at historic lows in confidence in our institutions. Right. And um, you know, politicians and healthcare and churches, right. Because institutions aren't doing the right thing. So how how can churches do better? I think you got to have a very clear process. You got and um, you got to listen to people, and you got to be willing to part ways with people you know that have credible um, you know claims brought against them. I mean, it, you know, it's and you got to figure out how to make restitution, you know, to the person that was wronged. Right. I mean, I, I'll say this, right. I'm Presbyterian. I know what their, their process of discipline is. I know the goal in their process for discipline is reconciliation. Um, I don't think that's all, that should always be the goal. I don't think always all the parties should reconcile. I think in some cases there should be restitution and, you know, the party that's found guilty should face consequences. Um, you know, I think that we often get called up uh, we can let ourselves get caught up 
um, and this idea that we are, you know, we're going to have integrity, we're going to be good Christians because we're going to be forgiving. Well, in a lot of cases, what that does is that means that, well, you should, there will be no consequences for this person who abused you. And they're going to be emboldened because they just messed up and they can ask for forgiveness. They can do it again next time. Um, and, and I think we have to not allow that to happen. And that's what has happened in a lot of cases, as you and I know. Um, that's what's happened in a lot of cases. Um, and But that's not going to be acceptable anymore, I think. I think a lot of people are uh, no longer going to accept that. A, a lot of victims aren't going to accept that. And a lot of their uh, advocates and their allies are no longer going to accept that. And I think that's good. I think, I think the whole, that's you the know, right what, what do we need to do to make this go away from the personnel committee? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That question, which yeah, <laughs> probably been said more or, times. Uh, you than, know, Mariana, uh, we can yeah, she, she's blogged about how, um, you know, it, it, it was out of Christian love. You have the accuser and the QZ like sit down and with the personnel committee, you know, kind of hammer things out. And it's like, nah, that's that's probably not the best way to handle something. You know, that's, you know, it involves harassment or, you know, physical abuse or spiritual abuse or whatever. Right. So this is something that um, I think churches need to consider. Um, you know, do you have a policy about how to handle this? You know, does your you know personnel committee have a policy about this? Um, figure it out. You know, um, you, you got to think through these things. I mean, we can no longer think that it doesn't yeah. happen in the church. And it, because and it's it about to get real for and, a lot of churches monetarily. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I think I think it's about to get real yeah. for a lot of churches. Um, they're going to lose a lot and of money. people that they love. And, and they're going to lose a lot of money because they're going to be shown to have been covering up things. They're going to be shown uh, to have been uh, creating an environment in, uh, in which, uh, which was um, hostile and which this was allowed to continue. Uh, and I think that that is um, – they're going to be a significant uh, monetary implications. Yeah, and that's, that's when we'll see, see some shifts. But – Church is going to look a lot different in five to ten years, wh- whether you're a Presbyterian or, or Episcopalian or, or Baptist. Um, Catholics, not too much. They, they've got a pretty good track record of keeping things steady. <laughs> but although yeah, the, the father today said he wants to uh, change up the Lord's Prayer, so it's not lead us into temptation, but lead us uh, away from temptation, which I, I can dig that. That's a better translation. Anyway, huh. Well, I, I think it's going to be an interesting couple of years here for uh, thinking religion. We, we definitely have enough uh, material <laughs> to, to work on. <laughs> you know, th- there have been some years where it's like, okay, well, we talk about religion and politics, but, you know, like how, how far down the rabbit hole can we go if, you know, President Obama's politics? Right. And I mean, we didn't even t- like the biggest religion piece um, this week is the Jerusalem bit. And we just <laughs> scratched the surface on that. Didn't talk about just dispensationalism. Didn't talk about the Which second was, coming oh, of Christ. I thought that's what we we're going to talk we're about. I was prepared. I, I did like an hour of research yesterday on dispensationalism. <laughs> I got it all right up here because that's what I grew up in. <laughs> See, I, so, I get- yeah, you got to get the Jews back to Jerusalem so Jesus can return. Right. That's the whole goal here. Right? It's not complicated. That White is the goal judgment. here. Yeah. So, I mean, 
Right. There's a reason that uh, so many evangelicals are um, so pro-Israel. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Israel, the country, or or like, it's a democracy in the Middle East. Like, that doesn't – no, that's not why you're (laughs) a supporter of Israel. Like, you you read it in the Bible and you think, oh, well, if we get this in place, because I watched Life Behind, if we get this in place and all of a sudden Jesus is going to reappear and and I'm going to get raptured. Because I mean, I'm not sticking around for the for the seven years of, you know, judgment and that whole deal. I'm getting raptured, yo. Yeah, I have to break out some charts, right? Some charts showing the differences between pre and post millennial dispensationalism, and you know, pre lapsarianism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe we should not. <laughs> maybe we should just let that go. Uh, but yeah, in case you're wondering, um, uh, there there's some people who've had some. We've written some good things about this in the past few days, but uh, we can talk about it more. If you are interested, you know, reach out to us on, on Twitter and you know Facebook, the ways that you always do. Um, but that's definitely the goal here. We will say in case you don't follow the news as closely as we do, Trump did sign a six month extension on the moving the capital uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, uh, which every president has done since the law became law in the nineties. But, um, there is reason to believe that this is different and that Trump really does want to move uh, the capital, to move the U.S. embassy to uh, Jerusalem. Um, and we'll see if that ends up happening or not. But you know, there's definitely reason to believe this that this is different. And, yeah, I mean, the reality is uh, two more points on this. One, if Trump is trying to actively derail the peace process, he's doing a pretty good job. Um, he has Jared Kushner running it, who is, you know, buddy, buddy with Netanyahu, which obviously is not going to work for the Palestinians who also what had a stake in a company that was building settlements in, um, occupied territory, you know, territory that's occupied by the Israelis, uh, in Palestine. And now he comes out with like the one claim that is a non-negotiable for the Palestinians is that, okay, yeah, we're going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And Trump comes up and comes out on that side. Like, it's pretty obvious that like the United States, at least right now, cannot be a neutral arbiter in the peace process. And they have no interest in being that. Um, and, and and I will say, honestly, I think for a long time, U.S. policy has been such that the United States could not be a neutral arbiter in the process because we are just way too pro-Israeli and we let things uh, fly with Israel that we wouldn't with any other country, like documented war crimes, which settlements in occupied territory are. They are war crimes according to the Geneva, Geneva Conventions. Yeah. So, um, so one, if he's actively trying to derail the peace process and start a war, he's doing a good job. Um, two... I mean, Jared Kushner is the guy he put in charge Orthodox of the Middle East Jew. peace process. Like, yeah. what a joke. Yeah, I mean, Orthodox Jew, but also what a joke. Like, I mean, he has zero foreign policy. <laughs> anyway, so. But but he he um, runs the 666 hotel. I mean, it, it's it's straight out of Left <laughs> right. Behind. 666. It really, it's it, kind of it, amazing, it is. isn't it? Right. So, so you think about you think back to 2007, 2008, a lot of people were like, ah, I think Obama might be the Antichrist. Right. And now you're like, oh, no, we had it completely wrong. It wasn't like a really, you know, polished, smooth talking guy. It was, you know, this 
gregarious. I don't know if gregarious seems too positive a word, but this like bombast, right? This just kind of bumbling idiot of a guy that everybody's willing to sell Tweets their soul two for. Two Big Macs and two filet fishes and a chocolate like, milkshake. Really? Large chocolate milkshake. Not even the fries. Even like If you go to McDonald's and you don't eat the fries, you're an idiot. Right, that's like really the only good thing about McDonald's, right? Two like, Big Macs. Fries. I eat one and I feel like I'm going to die. I mean, it's a tasty sandwich. I'm not going to kid you, but wow. I, I, was, I was surprised by that. Yeah, that is, uh, by the way, I mean, it's documented that's, you know, Donald Trump's like favorite uh, fast food meal, right? Is go to McDonald's, two Big Macs, two filet fishes, large chocolate <laughs> The filet fishes really threw me. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, like that's the healthy option. You know, you got to have your surf and turf. <laughs> right. But like, why the filet, of, like Burger King filet of fish is not bad, I, I guess. I've had it once and it was not disgusting i don't know i've never i i can honestly say i've never I had a filet of fish mcdonald's or burger king and i mean you know right pretty much taco the only Bell, fast food uh, i eat yeah, these days right. is chick-fil-a you see it a lot of taco <laughs> Bell. <laughs> i used to eat taco bell yeah not anymore we i can't talk, do my stomach can't handle tacos. that anymore. yeah that's the right yeah twist. and some um, cinnamon twist <laughs> <laughs> love the cinnamon that's twist what, that's what he said so um, yeah, so we'll talk about dispensationalism because, and we, we've got a couple of user user. Sorry, I'm still in work mode. We've, <laughs> you're not our users, human resources. <laughs> we, we still have a couple of uh, listener questions. We, we really, really do value. Give us your money. Patreon.com slash thinking religion. A um, couple of, couple of listener questions that came in over the last couple of weeks that are actually fantastic. Not that they haven't always been fantastic, but we'll, we'll approach those. We've got to talk about laptops in the class classroom iPads in the classroom. Yeah, we've got we've got hashtag thoughts on those yeah, hashtag hot takes, opinions. Hot takes. Um, and want to want to thank our 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 patrons who who give us money. Thank you, whether it's PayPal or at patreon.com slash thinking religion. Um, there's a new podcast. I'm sorry, I can't talk anymore. I'm all out of white man words. God bless the United My dentures are falling out. My dementia is kicking in. There's a podcast called uh, Church Over Coffee, and they taped, they don't tape, they uh, recorded an episode with uh, one of our listeners, S, uh, at S. Bryson176 on Twitter. Um, and, and he's going to be on the show, and they talk about like how the church shaped you growing up. Uh, it's not, a, I, don't, I don't see it out yet. I don't think that episode's out yet. But I will link it up uh, over on Twitter um, whenever that comes out. So that should be a, a great show. And uh, he wrote me and he's a uh, great listener of the show and we have lots of fun conversations. And if you want, yeah, right, if, if you want to have fun conversations, yeah. Yeah. you know where to find us. Where do you find us, Thomas? Slide in, yes. slide into our DMs. <laughs> Sam is, you'd be surprised. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I want to take a drink. Yeah. So anyway, yes. Wait, what were you um, going to say about me? Our DMs. No, no, you're, you're like Sam. Sam. No, it's just, I was just thinking like, it's kind of funny, like how it happens often a lot. it happens. It's, it's almost daily now where we get a listener. Yeah. That's a, it's good. It is, but it's good. Like, I mean, I would say what, 98% of the conversations are really good and interesting and constructive. It's, all, it's only so, the jerks that are yeah, like, but every now and you're then, going to hell. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. That's, saved, always that's saved, just bitch. fun. It's a guy. I can say that. I'll bleep that out. Maybe. <laughs> Sam is at Sam Harrelson. I'm at Thomas Whitley. You can always find this great podcast at thinking.fm.